Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho College murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates It at? is a huge night. I want the truth from you. Hashtag Cyber Sleuths. The Idaho Murders. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. It's far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, May 17th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Matt Baxendale. All right, Bax, a lot to get into. So we've had some differing opinions in the boarding house last couple of days from sources. A former Ohio State player, one of our X's and O's experts about Kyle McCord. Not that they're like, neither one of them is like, you know, McCord's terrible. The other one's like, McCord is going to be the Heisman Trophy winner. It's more like one of them's a little more skeptical than the other. We're a little more than a month removed from spring ball. Where are you at with Kyle McCord, presuming he is the starting quarterback for the Buckeyes? I'm not as worried because of one spring game, uh, as some people appear to be. You know, there was a conversation about how he didn't look great in the spring game, and that's a big red flag. And I I remember Justin Fields going something like four for 12 in the spring game. Does anybody else remember that? Like, spring games are controlled environments. Our O-line wasn't great in the spring game. It set up for the D-line to succeed. There was no egg buka. There was limited Marv time. I I don't know if Kyle McCord's going to be as high-end as Fields or C.J. Stroud. I mean, they're talking two top 12 picks there. Um, and the guy before them, Dwayne Haskins, was 15th. So that's, that's a lineage to live up to, right? But I'm not sitting here worried that Kyle McCord's going to stink either. I think he's going to be very good. I think he's just going to be a different player than CJ. I think he's a little more willing to run the ball. Um, you know, I think he's a little bit less accurate on the bomb balls. Um, but this is a guy who's a five-star recruit. Like, like we're not talking about a three-star guy from a, you know, class five high school, right? Like this is a five-star number one or two in the country kind of quarterback. So there's talent there. I'm not freaking out right now. I think we're going to be perfectly fine with him. As long as Ryan Day is coaching, we're going to have elite quarterbacks at Ohio State. So if people are worried about McCord, I would make the argument there's a lot bigger things to be concerned about than whether Kyle McCord is going to be elite or just really good. You and I are lockstep in that. Like, I, I'm not, I don't know if he's going to be elite, but I, I feel like he's going to be really good. And then, so here's the thing, like, but are we – you and I both, other people, are we too quick to just say this is McCord's job? And, yeah, we like Devin Brown, but, like, he's definitely going to be the backup. And, yeah, we like him, 
but he's definitely going to be the backup? Or is this more of a battle going into camp than maybe some of us think, that Devin Brown could be the starter? I don't rule anything out, but I do think it seems like the general program vibe was that Ryan Day had sort of come to the conclusion that McCord was the guy who was ready and Brown wasn't. Um, I don't know that we know that. I think Brown will be given all the opportunities in the world, especially since he did miss the spring game to compete throughout fall camp. But I I would put it as a better than 90% chance Kyle McCord takes the first snap of the season. Um, Brown would have to elevate, I think, from where he was going into the spring game before he got his hand. I think it was his hand was hurt, right? Um, Before his injury, that was, you know, I don't think he was with McCord. I think he was a step back in the coaching staff size. So that's just me being real about it, right? Like, I love the idea of slinging Sammy Baugh, number 33 on a quarterback jersey. It's hilarious. Don't get me wrong. And he's a heck of a prospect in his own right, too, that just hasn't had a chance to play yet. But to me, it feels like it's McCord, and it's sort of decided. What about you, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I'm on the record. I'll be surprised. I've said very surprised if McCord's not the starter, but, like, I'm not ruling anything out. Like, you you said that as well. I'm not completely ruling out Devin Brown to be the starter, but I'll be very surprised if Kyle McCord's not the starter. Barring injuries, of course, obviously. Um, one thing I like about both these guys, Brown's the more mobile of the two, but McCord, it, you know, if you watch his high school film, like, he's mobile. We saw it a little bit, like, even in the spring mm-hmm. game, like, that's one thing I, I'm going to like about these. Like, whoever wins the job, probably McCord. Like, they're going to be able to pick up some cheap first downs. Yeah. CJ finally showed it. Like, it took till his very last game. We were all saying that. And people were, like, kind of making fun of it. Like, oh, CJ Stroud's a great passer and Buckeye fans and media are like, well, why doesn't he run the ball more? Like, listen, <laughs> we were never asking him to be Braxton Miller or JT Barrett or anything like that. We were asking him to do what he did in the Georgia game. Maybe not even to that extent, to be frank. No. But, like, he finally did it. But, like, my point is – McCord will do that, and Devin Brown will do that even better than McCord will, but both of them are willing runners. I think, too, like a lot of us didn't need him to do much more than the old T, old JT Barrett euphemism during his 2014 season, which was his best season. He talked about just picking up the change, right? Uh, CJ at times refused to pick up the change where he'd roll out of the pocket. It's like, buddy, just take eight yards and get us a first down. And his eyes are still downfield. He's still looking waiting for one of them to get open. And we're like, dude, just just take the first down. It's fine. You don't have to have a home run every play. You know, and we saw that at times with Justin Fields in his second year too, where he got a little too greedy sometimes looking for the big play because he's like, oh, this is too easy almost, right? There's nothing wrong with the 12-yard gain on third and four. You know what I mean? Like, I'm on board with that. So, but, you know, you're right. Uh, to a certain extent, I think that these guys are different. And, there's going to be more willingness where they roll to the right and they see the sideline and they just get there and extend the drive. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing in most senses of football. But here's the one thing about McCord that I wouldn't say keeps me asleep at night, but gives me pause. Uh, We have seen the guy throughout high school. And we know now that when he was in high school, he was throwing to uh, maybe the best wide receiver prospect in half a decade or more. So how much of that great high school film was him having a receiver that's just unguardable and how much of it was him? That seems like a more fair question to me than whether Kyle McCord is or isn't going to start. If 
you want to argue to me that Kyle McCord's recruiting ranking was maybe inflated by throwing to Marvin in high school? Uh, knowing how good Marv is, I'm open to that argument. What about you? Well, I'll say this. We could have an entire show about how was Marvin Harrison Jr. not a five-star recruit. How is he not like the number I one mean, player like, in the I country? Mean, like, <laughs> I was talking – I was like right, literally in the middle of writing a story about like how like – I like Teron Vincent, everything, nice kid and everything, good family. How is he the number one defensive tackle in the country? And I was thinking, I wonder how much, like, if his name, like, affected that. Even though, like, his dad was a corner, he's a D tackle. Uh, but, like, Teron Vincent, undersized, not all that quick, not all that strong, like, you know, no. decent. Number one defensive tackle recruit in the country, a five-star. I was like, maybe his name had something to do with it. And then as I'm typing that, I'm like, how the hell was Marvin Harrison Jr. not a five-star recruiter? We're talking about names helping him out. First of all, this guy's a freak. We all know how great he is. Look at the high school film. And then if you're going to talk about nepotism, like, I mean, his dad's a Hall of Famer. I mean, Troy Vincent, Teron's dad, good player in the NFL, very good player. Uh, Roger Goodell's right-hand man uh, in the NFL in the front office. But still, not Marvin Harrison Sr., and Marvin Harrison Jr. being a four-star recruit backs is still one of the great mysteries of life. Right. I just say this too on Vincent. I think the number one spot personally that we miss the most on recruits coming out of high school, and this isn't like a 24 seven criticism. I think it's just people in general is it's sometimes really difficult to identify which of the big defensive tackles turn out to translate awesome to college and which of them maybe don't remember Jonathan Hankins was a three-star and we're all like, yep. what have you seen his offer list? He's not a three-star kid. And I think everybody was super confused by that. So the Vincent thing, yeah, the, the last name I think had an impact on it for sure. But I think D-tackles are tough to tell because it's as much of a mentality thing as it is a physical thing, right? You can have a six-foot-three, 310-pound just machine that can run a four-seven, but if he's not willing to put a hat on hat and beat the guy in front of him or hold his point of what he's supposed to do and occupy those blockers – Maybe it doesn't translate for all that athletic ability. So I think that's a tough position to project coming out of high school personally. Let's talk some NIL. Everything's starting to settle down. As predicted, our friend Pete Nakos from On3 did a great story yesterday. Um, maybe it was two days ago now. And just talking about how, like, he had several sources throughout college football. Just talking about how, like, um, you know, like it was like a free-for-all. And it still kind of is. Things have settled down big time. The collectives are not giving out as much money. Kids aren't expecting <laughs> as much money. Kids have known, like, there are some bait-and-switch tactics going on here. Jane Rashada. Sorry. I was uh, going to say, for exactly, the Florida. <laughs> Jane <laughs> Rashada. Florida. Oh, sorry. Florida, exactly. And then, like, and, and Ohio State's doing a great job of, like, taking care of their guys. So, like, it's, like, all, like, it's been, like, a 180. Like, now we're all worried about Ohio State. Ohio State's doing a great job with it. Other collectives and have as much money to give. Everything's kind of settled down uh, on the NIL front. Your thoughts, Bax? Well, you know, when they Jaden Rashada was told, no, that's not $13 million, That's $1.3 million. I think a lot of people went, ooh. Decimal points. just Decimal yeah. points. The, that, I, that, I thought that was spilled spaghetti. What are we talking about? You know, <laughs> I think the NIL side of things. Look, we knew this was going to be an absolute, pardon my French, shit show whenever it hit with no regulation. There was no control over all of it. 
there were kids being bought left and right. The guy who owns the, the stuff in Florida that is the big Miami booster was trying to put his whole personal fortune back into getting the U to be back, right? Which I would advise him, by the way, John Ruiz, if you want Miami to get back, buy a big tract of land right by the university and build a stadium nearby. That might help you a hell of a lot more than trying to buy three-star recruits from Don't Ohio give any State. Ideas. That's, a, that's a good idea. Don't give him any ideas. I don't get these rich people, right? Like, like I don't get these rich people that have like a couple billion dollars and they're not doing something useful with it. Like, you know, trying to get us to Mars, like Elon Musk or something. Like if you're one of these rich billionaire guys who doesn't know what to do with his money, like invest into the infrastructure, the things that you invest in emotionally. Right. So outside of your family and friends, like I, I, my running joke is, is that if I won the Powerball, the AAA Ohio Blue Jacket hockey program would have a check from me to build a four a, a four rink setup somewhere in Columbus because we need more ice because yeah. I get that's what I care about I love that yeah. right and Ohio State son, doesn't need a new stadium and your you sons know? play hockey yes yes yeah. they do right yeah there would be a building in Ohio State with my name on it you know what I mean like that's the sort of stuff I'd be investing in so if Ohio State played its home games in Marion like Miami does I'd probably want to build a stadium on campus yeah anyways. That aside, I, I do think the NIL situation has chilled out a little bit because it was always kind of wackadoo to spend this much money on unproven kids when the bust ratio is well known uh, on what these guys can do. I think the NIL is going to be more targeted at the kids that are already proven, that are marketable, that they can get some sort of return on. And it's also going to be the kids that are elevating from the ACC, Pac-12, Big 12 level to the top of the Big Ten and SEC where the money really is in this sport. I think that's where you're going to see the focus at going forward in the NIL world. Let's talk some over-unders. Uh, the, these were released not like this week. It might have been last week. Recently, we'll say over-under for college football. This is, again, this is just the 12-team regular season. Ohio State's over-under, 10.5. Ohio State goes 11-1 and one or better in the 12-game regular season. You win your bet. Michigan, 10.5. Penn State, nine and a half. Wisconsin and Luke Fickle. That's weird. Nine. Those are your top yeah. four. Three of, from the east, of course. Ten and a half for Ohio State. Ten and a half for Michigan. Nine and a half for Penn State. Nine for Wisconsin. Over under wins. Your thoughts, Mr. Baxendale? I think Penn State's low. They're going to beat one of the big boys this year because they actually have a competent quarterback. Unlike Sean Clifford, who it's utter hilarity to me that that guy was drafted. Uh, the the uh, the stories that you read about that pick, where most of the rest of the scouts were openly laughing at it, is something. Um, I think Ohio State is not going to be losing two games this regular season. I know they have to go to Notre Dame. I know it's a really tough schedule with all these road traps in it and a new quarterback, but I think the defense is going to be better. I you know if you told me that. Take the Ann Arbor games, the coin flip. We should win the rest of them. So I and Ryan Day's lost six games in five seasons or something like that. You know, like let's be real here, what the guy's done. So yeah, what is this? This is just five seasons he's been here now, right? This will be his fifth season. Yep, this is four seasons. He's lost six games. Not counting his yeah, not counting his three games. Of course, is not counting his three. Yeah, because he's he's like 46, 45 and six or something crazy. So he's not going to lose many games. It's just it. For all the criticisms going on right now about the Michigan game, let's not forget that big picture. Uh, Wisconsin is fascinating. 
because Wisconsin only has one game against the big three from the East, and that's Ohio State. And by the way, that's a home game. You think they'll get up for that one? Um, You remember that freaking game in 2010, the only loss of the year where they ran the opening kickoff back for a touchdown? Luke Fickle was on Ohio State's sideline for that one. They'd be be up for it like crazy regardless. And Luke Fickle in his first year, goodness. And they have a good good quarterback, too, with Mordecai transferring in. That's probably – that's I almost said probably. That's definitely the best quarterback that Wisconsin's had since Russell Wilson. Yeah, I would agree. Low bar. I would agree. Low bar Hall of Fame, but still. I think nine for Wisconsin is a low end. Wisconsin had sort of a rough year last year, but Wisconsin intentionally pulled the plug on Chris to try to pump themselves from being happy with eight or nine wins to nine wins being a letdown, which is something we've been waiting for Wisconsin to do. So that one's low to me. Uh, I think Penn State – I think Wisconsin over nine. I think Penn State over nine and a half is a – good pick and then I, I don't see osu going under 10 and a half if they do wow next off season's gonna be something so you know that's a now here's the thing if we go 10 and 2 and those two losses are penn state and wisconsin but we win the big one at the end maybe we'll all be happier than we are right now i don't know <laughs> yeah i mean i like ohio state over 10 and a half like i i think they'll probably drop one along the way it won't be michigan as i keep saying but I could see them going 11 and one. I'll be surprised if Ohio State's 10 and two. So I like Ohio State over 10 and a half. Um, I'm with you on Wisconsin. I could see them going nine and three. So then you push, right? I mean, yeah. like eight and four. I don't see Wisconsin going eight and four, as you mentioned. They're crossover games. They have one real hard one. You know, I almost said here, it's there, but like they got to play there. Ohio State. It's there. there. Their games are all at home, Dave, it's too. Still, it's still going to be so surreal seeing Luke Fickle, you know, on the on the sideline as they're jumping around. But hopefully Ohio State can take care of business. I like Ohio State in the over. I agree with you on that. Um, Penn State, I like their roster. I, I just tend to think James Franklin. We'll see. We'll see. James Franklin, I think, is a great CEO. I think he's a great recruiter. I like him as a person. I got a chance to meet him like back in the day when he was Vanderbilt's head coach when we had this small room at 24-7 sports that he came in and was talking to us. I feel like he's going to lose a game he shouldn't lose, and he'll probably lose in a couple other games. So I think 9-3 and three for Penn State. I'll go under on that. Um, no comment on Michigan. But, um, yeah, okay, one more thing before I let you go. I did a story yesterday for the site. I did a deep dive on the special teams. So one – the one area on Ohio State special teams that they were good at last year was the punt team. Jesse Murko, punt coverage, everything. That was good. 23rd in the country in net punting. Everything else, not good. Not good. Give me your thoughts on special teams. Can they improve enough this year? Here's my thought on special teams. On kickoffs, kick it through the damn end zone. I'm so sick of balls going out of bounds or trying to cough and corner people. Kick it through the damn end zone. I'm sick of that. That's driving me nuts. If you can't cover, why are we sh- kicking it short? Unless it, and it consistently goes out of bounds. Stop that. This is like, remember we used to talk about when Urban first came here? And the offense was so good. It was 40-plus points a pop, right? And we're just like, just fair catch the punt. Quit dropping it, Jalen Marshall. Catch the punt. Like, put Evan Spencer back there. Fair catch. Doesn't matter where it's at. Get the ball back. That's kind of where my head was with this, this kickoffs now. I'm like, I'm so done with it. Flip side of this is is that uh, on the punt team, we haven't been dropping as many of those punts lately. So I, I'm thinking Egbuk is going to probably be the guy there, or maybe Ballard if Ballard is sure-handed enough. But to me, with the punt teams, just catch the freaking ball. Look at the offense we have. We've got the pieces. 
don't do dumb mistakes. How many times have we watched Philly Brown drop kickoffs because Urban was hoping he'd house a 95-yard punt? It's like, no, don't do that. Um, so those are big concerns for me. I think that the kicking game is going to be interesting to watch because obviously the last time we saw the kicking game, it was not what we were looking for. Uh, but I do have to think that Ohio State's going to get that one under control. They've had some changes at the position, so that'll be helpful. But I think at the end of the day, I really want to see the kick coverage on kickoffs get better. And I want to see us just kick it through the freaking end zone and not put all these variables into play that you just don't need to, right? If you're trying to pin them inside the 10 on the kickoff, it means you think your defense is crap. So hopefully the defense is better, and let's just kick it through the end zone and stop them at first and 10 from the 25. Great stuff from Matt Baxendale. You can catch Bax's column every Sunday. It is the bucket. Thank you very much to Bax. Thanks to all of you. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us that means you need to join us on fantasy baseball today in five part of the cbs sports podcast network join scott white chris towers and me frank stample every monday through saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of march we'll break down the latest news spring training updates players to target and much more in just five minutes make sure to download and follow on apple Podcasts, spotify the odyssey app and everywhere else podcasts are found